welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in next week's episode, we'll be talking about the NBA and what's going down there. We will take a look at Major League Baseball and what's happening there. We will take a look into the NCAA name, image, and likeness situation. We will also take a look at the WNBA, and we will have our best for last. Now remember, follow the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, along with at JTime Sports, I repeat, at JTime Sports, and that is your site for all information on the show. So it is breaking news, it is show updates, it is things of that nature, I repeat, at JTime Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Now I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. Absolutely packed show today. We've we're gonna cover four or five sports in this show. We haven't done this in a while. We've pretty much been one sports centric um, for a long time. A lot of NBA discussion. Of course, when the NFL is in, NFL dominates the show. But a multi-sport show today: NBA, MLB, uh, NCAA sports, WNBA. Uh, maybe even Olymp- some Olympic talk involved as well. So absolutely loaded show. But of course, we're going to dive right into the NBA. And we're going to talk about first, we're going to talk about the conference finals, actually. So first, we're going to jump into the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers. And with the Phoenix Suns, congratulations on making your first NBA finals since 1993 when Charles Barkley was a member of the Phoenix Suns, in which they would inevitably lose. Coming off Barkley's MVP season, they would inevitably lose to Michael Jordan and the third of his three-peats, the the last one preceding the first retirement. A huge game for Chris Paul, finishing with 41, including 31 points in the second half, the most points he has scored in a half since scoring 61 points in high school to honor his late grandfather, um, who died at age 61. He scored 61 in high school, or who was murdered, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, but passed at age 61. Uh, So he scored 61 points in the game to honor him. Um... But yeah, it's the most points he's ever scored in a half in NBA or college. Like I said, the most he scored since high school that fateful uh, night. And the young tech carried the Suns into the NBA Finals. Um, absolutely did it in front of his what he called his second home in Los Angeles. He spent uh, the second most time he's ever spent in one location there. Or tied for first, actually. He spent six years with the Clippers. He spent about six years with the New Orleans Hornets at the time. And, of course, he had the one-year stint in Oklahoma City, a couple of years in Houston. Now he's working on his uh, first year with the Phoenix Suns. And this will be Chris Paul's first opportunity at the NBA championship. Now, of course, when something happens like this, what's the main thing on shows like mine, uh, television shows? What is the main thing? Why does How does this affect Chris Paul's legacy? Where does he rank all the time? Is he a top five point guard? Is, does he have any semblance of being the best ever? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm here to tell you, again, I don't like being the bearer of bad news. I am here to tell you Chris Paul has no chance, doesn't have a snowball chance in hell of being the greatest point guard of all time. I don't think he has a snowball chance in hell of cre- cracking the top three, rather. Uh, my top three may be a little untraditional. I do have Magic Johnson one. Uh, Magic is my number one point guard of all time. I don't think that's anywhere near arguable. If he's probably playing any other position but shooting guard, he's probably the best that too. No, I don't have time to list the accolades of Magic Johnson, but five-time NBA champion, multi-time MVP, multi-time finals MVP, has the famous game with Kareem Sprains, ankle jump center, does a sky hook, wins the game, uh, and the championship. Absolutely spectacular resume from Magic Johnson. He is my number one. I have Isaiah Thomas as my number two. Um, you know, Zeke, defined error for me. Uh, the the mindset we think of the 80s and 90s, you may think of that one-minute clip on Instagram we've all seen of uh, Kareem punching a guy in the face and people squaring up and swinging and stuff like that. Uh, the bad boy pissing did that, it felt like nightly. And so when you have a situation like that, uh, Isaiah Thomas, like I said, I said in the best for last a few weeks ago, he was the epitome of that era. 
You know, Magic Johnson didn't like him because of it. Michael Jordan didn't like him because of it. He was cuffed off the dream team for embodying what that era is remembered for, what that era is talked about, and how physical and tough, and you had to be a man to be in the NBA back then and stuff like that. And Isaiah Thomas was the only, was the leader of the team that embodied that mindset, that ideal, that mentality. Um, He was the leader of that team. And so he gets blamed for a lot of the bad boy Pistons dirt and what they did and how they treated people and of course the Jordan rules and etc etc but he also won two NBA championships he was the final MVP on both teams um if it wasn't for the phantom call on Bill Lambeer against Kareem Jabbar there's a good chance Isaiah Thomas has a three-peat the first modern three-peat ever not Michael Jordan and so it is absolutely Isaiah Thomas my number two point guard and number three obviously is Steph Curry um Redefine the game forever. Greatest shooter of all time. Top five ball handle of all time. Uh, like I said, changed the game of basketball probably forever from grassroots level up because every every kid that's strong enough to throw the ball at the rim from distance is. Um, now you see the taller, taller players still shooting with pretty nice forms. Uh, probably after watching stuff film. And it's just the world is getting smaller automatically in terms of how people are developing in a sport. Um, you know, you see kind of European influence on American development, American influences on European development, just like you see in other things, such as politics, music, etc. Uh, with the world's getting increasingly smaller and with a smaller world means a more transient, more opportunistic uh, information sharing world that we live in as well. And so, Steph Curry being the best anything in the world and, and how he changed the development of American basketball uh, kind of you will you will see more Steph Jr. influences uh, in how he plays the game from across the world uh, just his ability to shoot his shooting form how he dribbles etc somebody's gonna make an uh, almost carbon copy of it and that's gonna be that in terms of his impact on the world but up until that point he is still a legendary marksman, the greatest shooter of all time, and all the other accolades you want to give Steph Curry. He's my three. Now, when you get to four and five, that's when it becomes interesting, and I believe for Chris Paul to have a firm discussion or a case or whatever he wants to have for the fourth spot, for the fifth spot, he needs to win this championship. Uh, it is set up on a platter for him. LeBron's out due to injury. Kevin Durant's out pretty much due to injury. Um, obviously, James Harden and Kyrie Irving are both out. Anthony Davis is out. Uh, Jamal Murray with Jokic is out. The last two teams remaining that is not in the West for Chris Paul to be directly is the Milwaukee Bucks and Atlanta Hawks, who we'll talk about later. But both are missing their stars, and both their stars are hobbled. And so this has set up an opportunity, a gold platter for Chris Paul to really cement his legacy, uh, to achieve what he's been trying to fight for for 16 years. Um and absolutely have the ability to bask in the sun, no pun intended, uh, of their amazing play. Um, his amazing play, rather, so far this season. Especially if he wins the NBA championship. Paul George um, faded quietly into the night. He only took 15 shots, uh, scored 21 points. Which in the grand scheme of life, 21 points on 15 shots isn't terrible. But at the same time, you look at what you were expected to do. You are expected to be the Indiana guy. Paul George went for 41, 13, and 7 in game 5. So even force a game 6. A lot of people were expecting something similar. And uh, Paul George absolutely let them down, let himself down. Uh, went quiet into the night. He spoke about it post-game, saying he came up short again. Um, and then this time it had more... It had more of a feel of he's honestly seemed disappointed in himself. Um, especially because, like you said, you just came off the big game five, 41, 13, and seven. You come into game six and you shoot six for 15. Now, I won't, I won't, I won't be like polyester P, pandemic P, way off P. I won't mention any of that. I won't. He didn't deserve it. Paul George had an excellent playoff run. Was it? You know, anything more than we expected from him? I'd say yes. Um, you know, I saw a lot of narratives today. Uh, listen to people comment or comment here the past couple of days about the situation. A lot of people saying, oh, we didn't expect this from Paul George. Paul George is expected to do this. 
I remember the Paul George in Indiana. We had Lance Stevenson, David West, Danny Granger, Roy Hibbert, and uh, a, a very unproven Frank Vogel as his head coach, taking the big three Miami Heat in 2013. Yeah, the one that went and won the championship to seven. And Paul George dunked on Birdman. I mean, abusing the Miami Heat. No, nobody could guard him. LeBron couldn't guard him. D-Wade couldn't guard him. Uh, but they wouldn't even try Bosch. They would try Battier. You know, Rashad Lewis uh, would take his, his chance on them, and Paul George was taking care of them all. Uh, PG 2-4 before PG 13. Uh, absolutely dominated against that Heat team. They ended up winning the championship, and that was the only person really the Heat never could figure out uh, in that championship run was Paul George. Um, and so that guy, Paul George, what he did in the playoffs was expected. Um, However, throughout the national media, especially social media, he was no longer that guy. He was a shell of himself. He again, he was the pandemic P. It was the playoff P. It was the way off P. It was the polyester P. Um, and so he was no longer, in my opinion, should have had the expectations of being that guy. Um, and so what he did, in my opinion, was absolutely spectacular. Um, all things considered. Like he had amazing games. We have we have never seen a 41-13-7 line on 75% shooting ever. Uh, Paul George did that. He took the Phoenix Suns, who were my current pick to win the NBA championship. He took them six. Um without his without the best player on the team in Kawhi Leonard. Um and without Serge Ibaka and without Ivica Zubas the last three games. He played at, he's played pretty well. My my only issue with Paul George in this series lies in game six. Six points in the first half is not enough. Um, 15 shots total. Think about it, that's less than four shots a quarter. So you shot 3.75 times a quarter. That's not enough. He should have been shooting six or seven times a quarter. Paul, I, if Paul George goes into this game and shoots 10 for 28, Scores 25 points on 28 shots, and they lose the exactly the same. They get blown out of the water. They lost like 130 or something like that to 103. Something they got they get blown out the exact same way. I'm I'm a lot better than Paul George. I'm a lot better with Paul George this morning because I can say he went down swinging. As the number one guy, he went down swinging. I won't fault shot selection. I won't fault, oh man, he shot under whatever percentage again. I'm not gonna say a word because when the best player on the team decide I'm better option than you and I shoot us out the game, oh well. You know, and he was, he ended up six to 15. I'd have that be his first half stats and then do it again in the second half. He goes 12 for 30, exact same percentage, so still 40%. I don't say a word. I say kudos, Paul George. You went down swinging versus a better team, and you did your absolute best. You just camp a little, you camp a little short as a team due to health, more than likely, and go get them next year. I just didn't like his aggressiveness or lack thereof. I didn't like his mindset entering the game. That felt a little soft-ish to me, but it was nothing to uh, completely try and you know rip him about today. It's not. It's not necessary. Paul George, uh, kudos to you uh, for playing well in this series, especially in this playoff run once Kawhi went down. Uh, going into the series, I had Suns in four or five. Uh, that you went to six is absolutely uh, spectacular. But jumping to just some other notes about the series, congratulations to Monty Williams. Uh, he was with Chris Paul in New Orleans as well. Uh, Monty was fired. Chris Paul was traded. Um, and so congratulations to Monty Williams. He's had a rough time of it. Uh, he's one of those comeback stories, man. He left coaching due to some family issues and now he's back. Um, one coach of the year, I believe, uh, but it's voted on by the other coaches. And so, um, absolutely spectacular for him and Chris, uh, Chris mentioned it before, you know, he had a coach in Monty that knew how to deal with him and knew how to, uh, work with him knew how to understand Chris because uh, he had him when he was young. You know, Chris entered the league. They made a Western Conference final run then, uh, but didn't see them hugging and embracing after advancing to the NBA finals. It was spectacular to see. And as a Pelicans fan, I'm happy for them both. Uh, two very, very proud ex-New Orleans, uh, one staffer, one player. And so I am uh, extremely happy for them both. 
uh, Monty Williams was in a battle with Ty Lue. I don't think Ty Lue's going to get the credit he deserved ultimately because they didn't win. But, I mean, this Clipper team, the only team in history to come back from multiple uh, down 0-2 deficits in, the, in a single playoff run, that was Ty Lue. You see the Terrence Mann explosion game, that was Ty Lue. It was very strategically done. You see uh, a lot of these game plans and how they really bothered Devin Booker the last three or four games. That was Ty Lue. He did an absolutely spectacular job, especially with his best player being injured. Ty Lue did not deserve to lose in these playoffs. Unfortunately, he did. But uh, congratulations to the Clippers for having their head coach of the future in Tyron Lue. Um, and then a couple of smaller notes, or one smaller note, really. Y'all saw that BS that Steve Ballmer did? Y'all saw it. No, you saw it. You saw it. When he was gripping those guys' thighs, he was like smacking back and forth. What celebration was that? Like, I've never seen anybody celebrate that. I know people have made all kind of other jokes about it. I don't care about any of that. I care about what was, what possessed you to just start smacking and grabbing thighs. It wasn't shoulders. It wasn't arms. It wasn't, you know... I don't know. I would have settled for like stomach or something. I don't know. But like, it was just the repeated smack of the thigh. What in the hell was that, uh, Mr. Balmer? I know you're an incredibly rich man, top 0.001% of planet Earth. I just need to know what the hell was that. That's all I. That's all the question I got. If I can get that question asked, I'll be good to go. Shifting to the Bucks and the Hawks. Um. Game five was last night. I tell you, we talked about it a couple minutes. Game five was last night, and the Hawks were without Trey Young, and the Bucks were without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, and the Bucks had the better roster than the Hawks, minus their stars. And so the Bucks took care of business in game five. Uh, they were led by career high, playoff career highs from Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. Bobby Portis started in the place of Giannis. Um, and they were absolutely beasting and feasting. Bobby Porter stretching the floor a little more with Lopez absolutely killing the boards. He landed a, th- a four-point play, I believe. Uh, absolutely, absolutely killing the boards. Um, Portis, Tucker, um, those guys really went. Lopez really went to work on the glass to try and uh, overcome the 11 or so rebounds that Giannis Antetokounmpo brings a game. And so, big kudos to them for doing that. Um, in regards to Trey and Giannis, they are the 10th All-Star. Uh, Giannis missing, made him the 10th All-Star to miss a game in the playoffs due to injury. He becomes the 10th player to miss. That was an All-Star in this last season due to injury. Trey Young missed, and he was an, all- but he was an All-Star two years ago, so he does not qualify in this number. But 10 is the biggest uh, and most uh, amount of injured All-Stars in one postseason uh, just for guys who missed the game. Think about LeBron played injured or played through it. However, Anthony Davis was out. And then you have so many um, other guys that have missed games as well. And so um, it is a very tenuous situation to say the least um, with all the amount of injuries that are out. With them. I mean, so game six is coming up. You don't know who's going to be on the floor. Um, Trey has a stronger possibility to me than Giannis. It wouldn't shock me if Giannis, with his hyperextended knee, doesn't play the rest of the season. You got guys like Brandon Marshall saying his wasn't right for 10 weeks. You've got other players saying, man, four to six weeks. Um, he, they couldn't move properly. They weren't in preparation and prepared for um, the physicality that they needed to have from those knees and so he's in a bad spot four weeks basically ends his season so it's going to be a situation where how much pain can he tolerate and play through that is going to be a huge debate because he can't do any other option he can't have a normal timeline he if he has a normal timeline like i said of four weeks minimum he is injured he's out uh for the playoffs trey young however was questionable for game five Ultimately, they didn't play him, and they're willing to wait until they come back home to Atlanta. But we don't know what type of pain threshold either of these guys have. Um, you know Giannis is dealing with an hyper knee. 
uh, knee rather, there's no structural damage in the knee, which means that at this point for him, it's pain tolerance. We, uh, I mean, we don't know how much swelling there is. He, though he was standing a lot last night during the game, he pretty much stood all game. So we don't, I don't know if that's a situation where he sits down, he locks up, and he can't stand up, or what. But he pretty much stood up the entire game uh, in celebration, pretty much until the game was in hand, and I believe he sat down. Uh, as for Trey Young, no standing, <laughs> pretty much all sitting. Um, and that could be a situation where standing puts pressure on the foot, you know, any pressure on the foot. And so um, he decided to sit the whole game. And ultimately, they lost. But again, it comes down to pain tolerance. Trey has a visible injury on a um, on an X-ray or something like that due to his being a bone bruise. But it's mostly pain tolerance. Giannis, no structural damage. It's pain tolerance. The Bucks, like I said, led by Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, took a 3-2 lead going back to Atlanta. Now, I do believe that if neither star plays again, there will be a game seven. Due to the fact that I don't think the role players, Brooke Lopez, Byporters, etc., will have that kind of success on the road. And so I would think John Collins, Herder, Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, uh, Solomon Hill, Chris Dunn, Skylar Mays, uh, Kevin Herder, and the rest of that crew would play a lot better at home. Lou Will would play a lot better at home and make them go back to Milwaukee for game seven. Uh, if I believe if Atlanta would have won game five, there's no way in hell Trey play game six. But because they lost and they're 48 minutes away from being at home, the, I believe Trey Young's going to play game six. I don't think Giannis is going to play the rest of the postseason. And so with that being said, I'm going to have the Atlanta Hawks in seven. My original prediction was Hawks in six. But due to injury, I'm going to have to go with Hawks in seven. But I do believe it'll be a hell of a last game or last two games. Uh, for the rest of this series Just some news to touch on uh, Lloyd Pierce Former Atlanta Hawks coach Lloyd Pierce uh, Has been uh, signed to Indiana As a associate head coach So he's the top assistant on new coach Rick Carlisle's staff Wes Unsell Jr Who is an assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets And son of Wes Unsell uh, Who is pretty much the inventor Of the overhand two hand pass that, Or the chest pass rather the outlet that Kevin Love made famous, and what's Kevin Love's middle name? Wes. Uh, for Wes Unseld Sr., Wes Unseld Jr., the assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets, has interviewed for the Orlando Magic uh, head coaching job. And just to touch on it again, if I didn't already, the Detroit Pistons have won the NBA draft lottery. But that is all we have for the association. We're about to switch gears and talk about what's going down with Major League Baseball. Welcome, welcome, welcome back into the show. And now we're going to jump right into Major League Baseball. And as always, let's take a look at those standings that we do every single time we talk about baseball and even any new sport, really. We take a look at those standings. Uh, Major League Baseball in the National League, we have the San Francisco Giants, the Milwaukee Brewers, the New York Mets, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the San Diego Padres, and the Chicago Cubs. Remember, I am reading these standings as if the playoffs started today. The division winners obviously are the top three because they hold on to the home field advantage from winning their division. And then the wild card teams after that. And then you've got the in the American League, you've got the Boston Red Sox, the Chicago White Sox, the Houston Astros, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Oakland Athletics, and the Cleveland Indians. Um, first of all, look at the standings. Shout out the White Sox. They were a team that was expected to possibly be rebuilding this year. And they are absolutely the number one seed currently if the season were to end today of the American League. Uh, the Yankees are still struggling. They had their ups and downs, including getting smacked by the Angels. Um, blowing a big lead and getting smacked by the Angels, rather. The Astros, you know, they've lost talent. Uh, Dusty Baker has those guys as a number three seed currently in the AL. You look at the Mets, they're dealing with injuries, and they're still the three seed. The Giants are back on top as the one seed. The Dodgers, remember those Dodgers who I talked about, man? I said Dodgers, I had them winning maybe 105 
110 games this year. They're up to the four seed now. The only reason why they're not one or the only reason why they're not two is because they happen to play in the same division as the San Francisco Giants. So eh, you can't have, unfortunately, you can't have two division winners on the same accord, back-to-back seeds, one and two. And so the Dodgers, unfortunately, have to fall to the four seed. However, they do get the very large benefit of they'll play a team they're probably considerably better than in the wild card round. So that is a huge plus for those Dodgers. They're starting to find their footing just a little bit. The Oakland A's are starting to fall off and getting, getting to that all-star break. So now the cream is going to rise to the top. Uh, the excess fat and the unnecessary will fall to the bottom. And then you'll have people in suspension. They'll be in the middle um, in no man's land. Not good enough to um, make the playoffs, but not bad enough to get a high pick to try and get a Kumar rocker out of Vanderbilt. Uh, either of the Vanderbilt pitchers or some of these other great talents because they'll be in the middle of the round. Although in baseball, you'll find a gem in round 20. Uh, so that is something that uh, is not the worst thing on planet Earth, but the higher the pick, the better if you're not going to make the playoffs. And of course, why do we talk about baseball? Why do we talk about any sport? Because something's happening in that sport. And of course, Bobby Bonilla Day occurred in, again, July 1st. This will happen until 2035, people. Uh, Mr. Bobby was a New York Met, and he signed a contract. The details escaped me of what the contract was. It was something like three years, $40 million, uh, give or take. And the Mets at the time couldn't afford to pay it. So what they did was they decided, they Bobby and his agent uh, came together to come up with a deal. They set up a deferred payment um, because they couldn't afford to pay the contract in the allotted time. And so this payment was set up to where in order to incentivize uh, Bobby from taking all of his money at one time, um, they set up an agreement where they would pay him really tremendously more than he was going to make because he was owed $5.9 million. And that was in 2001, give or take. Um, And the Mets were going to buy him out. Well, Mets ownership at the time didn't have any money. Why did the Mets ownership not have any money? Because they got hit by the Madoff Ponzi scheme. So this Ponzi scheme promised to return double digit returns, etc. Well, in this Ponzi scheme, of course, they didn't get the returns back. So they put a lot, millions of dollars into Bernie Madoff. And... Of course, Brandon Madoff was a crook and they got none of their money back. They got none of their money back and they didn't get the returns they were promised. So the Mets were broke, but they wanted to buy out Bobby's contract. So they talked to Bobby and they agreed to do a deferred payment. They paid him $1.19 million, give or take, over the course of 25 years, every year for 25 years, and with 8% interest. And so that is how you get Bobby Day. Um, new Mets owner is embracing the uh, the day. You know, it's even saying honoring Bobby at the stadium at City, City Field, and you know, really making it a big thing. It's like something that fans can look forward to in the middle of the summer. It's July first, the dog day of the summer. Something for fans to look forward to. But yeah, he gets one point one nine million dollars. It's actually uh, kind of it's rare. It's extremely rare. Bobby actually has two deferred payments because he's getting another deferred payment from the Orioles, where he gets five hundred thousand dollars a year. So Bobby uh, is collecting 500K plus 1.19 million. So he's collecting about $1.69 million a year to not play baseball. He's not even playing baseball. and He's collecting checks of $1.69 million a year to not perform on the field. It's a pretty sweet deal uh, that he has managed to do twice. Other big names are uh, Torrey Tulowitzki has a deferred payment. Uh, Manny Ramirez has a deferred payment as well. Um, just to name a couple other people who have deferred payment set up. Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, has a deferred payment as well. Uh, just to name a few uh, names that have these sort of deals that Bobby has. It's just Bobby's been such a big thing because it was so publicized. It's very tied into the Madoff case. You know, then it's so much more than the original contract. Instead of $5.9 million, Bobby's going to ultimately make uh, clear over $26.27 million. Uh, it's not even counting the 500 grand he's getting from the Baltimore Orioles as well annually. 
So absolutely spectacular negotiating tactic by Bobby and his agent. Kudos to them. Uh, absolutely spectacular. Uh, jumping into another topic, they have the sticky stuff. There have been a ban. There's been a suspension. Uh, there's been a, a pitcher banned and suspended for his actions when they, uh, his glove was found out to have sticky stuff inside of it. Um, I believe it was attributed to sunscreen, if memory serves me correctly. However, it is still a banned substance. Uh, you cannot have anything. He said it was rosin. Um, which is what I spoke about the past couple of weeks. And man, are they even going to ban rosin? But well, apparently rosin is not banned because he attributed it to rosin. Uh, but whatever the substance was, was deemed not to be rosin. Uh, rosin, now the rosin does, when wet, become incredibly sticky. That's the point of it. It's like to dry your hands a little bit so that you can grip the ball and your hands aren't sweating. However, if you don't put enough on and the water mixes, it becomes sticky. And so uh, the pitcher attributed the sticky stuff in his glove to Rosin, although Major League Baseball ultimately disagreed and suspended him. It comes with a 10-day suspension, uh, in which case you cannot be replaced on the roster. So a team can't call up a AAA pitcher to take his place in the bullpen because they cannot be replaced as a punishment for the sticky stuff. But the All-Star game is quickly approaching. Uh, an all-star weekend in general for major league baseball it will take place uh july 12th at coors field which is on a tuesday the all-star game rather um it was originally supposed to be in atlanta but it was moved due to some voting laws that was passed um in the state of georgia and so major league baseball moved the game to denver colorado to coors field uh, i was i seen coors field i didn't take a tour which I had, it was during, uh, COVID was still spiking, but um, Coors Field, downtown Denver, very downtown. There's a beautiful hotel uh, right across the street. Uh, the hotel I stayed in when I was in Denver was all of a couple of blocks away. Uh, absolutely beautiful stadium. It fits into the city perfectly. Uh, it kind of springs up. You know, it's kind of like it, it's one of the bigger buildings in downtown. It's not covered by skyscrapers and stuff like that. Um, it's absolutely beautiful facility. One of the few baseball stadiums I've got the pleasure to see in person. I've seen uh, Texas Rangers. I've seen the Houston Astros and uh, the Colorado Rockies. Being in Louisiana, baseball is not the biggest thing here in terms of Major League Baseball uh, with our nearest team actually being the Houston Astros. But it was pretty dope to see. Oh, I've seen Atlanta Braves as well. Uh, but it was pretty dope to see uh, Colorado, especially now knowing that the All-Star game is going to be there, that air is thinner. I expect the home run derby to be spectacular. But now we're going to jump into right into these National League starters. You've got Freddie Freeman at first base for the Atlanta Braves. At second base, you've got Adam Frazier, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Shortstop, you've got superstar Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres. I am completely over uh, the media trying to tear Tatis down sometimes with his defense. Uh, third base, you got Nolan Nolan Arenado, Arenado, sorry, for the St. Louis Cardinals. You've got it's catcher Buster Posey for the San Francisco Giants. At uh, one outfield spot, you got Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you got Nick Castellanos of the Cincinnati Reds, and you've got Jesse Winker, also the Cincinnati Reds, um, in the other two outfield positions. And for the American League starters, you first base, you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. You second base, you've got Marcus Simeon, of the, also the Toronto Blue Jays. You have uh, Xander Bogerts of the Boston Red Sox at shortstop. Also the Boston Red Sox, you got Rafael Duvers at third base. And for catcher, you've got Salvador Perez of the Kansas City Royals. Outfield, you have Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels. You've got Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees, and you have Tiasco Hernandez of the Toronto Blue Jays as well. So there's three Blue Jays starting for the American League and two Red Sox and a Yankee. So out of the nine starters, out of, not including Shohei Otani, Los Angeles Angels designated hitter, out of the nine starters, you have six from the American League East. So that just tells you the talent level in that division. The fact that two thirds of the starting um, 
two thirds of the starting field, starting roster for the American League All-Star Game is from one division. That is absolutely spectacular. I don't, I'm not sure they've been done before. Six of nine. That is pretty impressive. Three being on one team, two being on one team, and one being on the other. It is absolutely spectacular what the AL East is doing talent-wise. That's what I always say. I talk about the Yankees struggling. Look at the talent they're playing in that division. You've got the Red Sox, who are number one. You've got the Rays, who are the best non-division winner. And the Yankees, are, I believe, are the seven or eight seed right now. And pretty much if they were in any other division, either are second in the division or winning it. And so that is telling you the level of talent that is in the AL East, uh, only to be, in my opinion, even broached by the NL West um, and, and their talent, what they got going on with the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants. And so that just tells you the kind of talent that's in Major League Baseball right now in those two divisions. But up next, we are going to jump to the NCAA and talk about major landmark happenings with collegiate athletics. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. And yes, my excitement level is through the roof because this is the kind of stuff I love. I love to see wrongs being righted, even if it's for the wrong reasons. Even if it was motivated completely entirely by shame, in essence, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, the NCAA has approved legislation for players and athletes, student athletes, to profit from their name, image, and likeness. Finally, it is a hundred years coming. Uh, the fact that these players uh, can now profit off their name, image, and likeness. Like I said, a hundred years coming. This is the first step in getting rid of the words amateurism. Um, and the word amateurism basically was the cover-up, was the uh, cop-out, for lack of a better term, for the NCAA to not pay players. They're saying, oh, they're amateurs, and you know, once you get paid, you, come, you become a professional, and you know, this is the National Collegiate Amateur, National Collegiate Athletic Association. It's all about amateurism. It's all about, you know, you're gonna extracurricular, you're a student first, an athlete second, all that BS that in turn was used to build up these massive football stadiums, these beautiful basketball facilities, these amazing baseball stadiums, these beautiful soccer fields, uh, the best uniforms, sign $100 million apparel deals, and the coaches on the sideline wearing Jordans at North Carolina like Roy Williams had the past few years and the whole team was wearing Nikes and this team was wearing Under Armour and that team is wearing Adidas. Everyone exploded monetarily. TV deals, conference presidents, bowl presidents, tournament champions, sponsors, everybody got a piece of the pie that exploded in especially collegiate athletics except the people making the product also known as the players. They're the only ones that get anything. From the time amateurism was installed to the to as to June 30th, 2021, at 11.59 p.m., amateurism was in place for about 100 years. Up until that point, the student athlete has gotten nothing legally, received nothing past the cost of the attending school. So if you if it costs fifty grand a year to go to USC on a full ride, that's they got a full ride scholarship. They didn't have anything to pay for. Food uh, on campus was free. Room, board, books, tuition, boom, covered. Nothing else. So you can't you can't have a job. There's rules. You can't have a job in the summer because we need you to be focused in training. Um, you don't have time to have a job during the school year because you're practicing three hours a day. You got to study for school to keep up, keep up your GPA requirements for your scholarship. Um, and we're gonna wear your body down. Hopefully you graduate with a decent degree. After you leave, we'll call you in five years for donation. I mean, that was pretty much the life of a student athlete for a hundred years. The They received nothing, no no increase, nothing. They, they, the student athlete, when amateurism hit, was limited to things of the cost of a scholarship. That was it. Whatever the cost of the scholarship was, boom, here's the full ride scholarship. That was all they could receive. And on July 1st of 2021, at midnight, 
the rule changed. The NCAA, in my opinion, copped out, um, panicked, finally was forced to make a decision um, because several states were on the verge, including California, including Florida, um, of passing legislation where the, the, the student athlete can profit off their name, image, and likeness, can profit off their face, can profit off their name, can profit off of, you know, their logo if they have one, you know. And it was the first step. And so the NCAA decided, well, we're not going to have certain schools with the ability to do it and other schools can't. You know, we're not going to have California schools. You, know, you can come over here and make money in Silicon Valley, in downtown L.A., uh, or Florida with all their beaches and other options and you know Florida and California are the beautiful places now a booster that owns a truck dealership can sign and can give a kid a hundred grand as a sponsor deal and get him to California or Florida and they're gonna dominate college athletics because the kids are gonna go and get paid so the NCAA decided to pass legislation allowing kids to profit and we start to see profits immediately uh, and deals immediately Percy, Percy Miller, also known as Master P, um, said straight up his son, Hersey, signed his deal that they, as soon as rumor began that the NCAA was going to do it, he began negotiating on Hersey's behalf. Um, that he began talking to different companies and getting things in order. So when the rules was ultimately changed, Penn went to paper. You know, it was, I mean, the deal was done. There was no hunting. There was no DMing different people. There was no, you know, trying to find representation or anything like that. It was pen to paper the moment that the rule changed. Uh, Jackson, a Jackson State football defensive end is going to be credited with the first ever name, image, and likeness deal. He announced the signing of his deal at midnight. So the deal changed at midnight, and I think by 12.01, he was posting the picture celebrating the deal. So he's going to go down in history as the first to ever sign a deal. He signed with a local uh, black-owned hair company, a barbershop hair company. And so that was the first ever uh, name, image, and likeness deal, which many people thought was going to set a precedent. Like, oh, they're going to get, you know, especially like FCS schools like that. They're going to get the local barbershop, the local Subway maybe. Uh, maybe Subway give uh, the local football star uh, at an FCS school. So, for instance, Southeastern, that's why I went to school. I'm an alumni of Southeastern. We had a couple of talented players. We had uh, Isaac Adiam and Berglund, uh, we, who's in the CFL now. We had Xavier Lewis. We have Cole Kelly, who just won the Walter Payton Award, which is the Heisman of the FCS. So, in stories like that, they're not really known nationally. But everybody knows them in Hammond and the Toronto areas. Maybe the local subway gives Cole 15 grand to take some pictures, sign some autographs, and put his picture on the outside window saying, I eat here. The kind of thing, you know, maybe uh, Bill Hood Ford gives Isaac, would have gave Isaac 20 grand or 20 grand in a truck to put his face on the billboard and say, hey, I'm a lion, go lion up, etc. I got my truck from Bill Hood. It's a great car. Even though Bill Hood had Cam Jordan. So I don't know if they're going to go to Southeastern and get a representation or get a representative if they had Cam Jordan, but you get my point. Uh, a lot of people thought the deals would be something like that. You know, $1,000 from the barbershop to use your face kind of thing. It would be nothing big, big, big for the most part. Uh, I remember when this was first discussed, very people, very high up people. I won't name names in case I'm wrong, um, but very, very high up big national personalities were saying, oh, yeah, you know, you know, it was one rumor that Zion would have made $10 million. And someone said, oh, no, you're going to you're never going to have an athlete in college making that kind of money. Um, you know, he might have got a few hundred grand. He might have got a million, but he wouldn't have got anything more than that. You know, we're not going to have multi-million dollar collegiate athletes. That has that was disproven in the first 48 hours of the NI, the NIL era. Um, Hersey Miller, who I spoke about earlier, signed a two million dollar deal with the company already endorsing his father. So that was already in the multi-million dollar deal that several people I saw, and I want to say it's Jay Billis is one of the names. I may be wrong on that, uh, saying that you'll never have a multi-million dollar athlete in college. Well, Hersey Miller disproved that in the first 24 hours. Um, you've got people signing deals with Boost Mobile. There's a couple of twins that play collegiate basketball due to their social media outreach. Um, they have signed a deal with Boost Mobile. You have uh, a gymnastics Olympic level participant at LSU. 
Um, she is expected to sign a multi-million dollar deal. Uh, she's expected to be in the top five highest paid because she's Olympic level one and she has four million uh, social media followers across her platforms. Um, you look at Shakira Richardson, who's in hot water right now, but she may have stayed at LSU. She could profit off her name, image, and likeness. She left and turned pro to go get endorsement money. You look at Simone Manuel, who is an Olympic level swimmer, who's in the Olympics again, chose to not go to college, chose to not take any endorsement money to swim at Stanford because she wanted the college experience. Um, but just some deals that have been signed, some of the big names, Derek Stingley, who in my opinion is the best cornerback in the country, also at LSU, has a big deal with walk-ons. That's expected to be announced very soon. If pretty much a few hours after the rule was official, he announced it on his personal social media that him and walk-ons had a big deal coming soon. Uh, Spencer Rattler, quarterback at Oklahoma, he has signed with Lee Stibing, who is the agent of Patrick Mahomes. Um, Lee has signed Spencer Rattler to a representation deal involving his name, image, and likeness, which is something that the NFL allowed and college allowed that you can have an agent or representative for your NIL deals. So that way Spencer Rattler doesn't have to focus on that. Lee Stibing is handling his stuff, which is going to get Spencer into more commercials, more access, because again, Lee is one of the best agents, arguably the best agent, uh, him, Drew Rosenhaus, uh, Nicole Lynn, just to name a few of the top dogs. Um, Lee is now managing Spencer's new logo and he is managing uh, Spencer's name, image, and likeness pursuits. And so that is huge, the fact that they're allowing agents to try and help some of these kids out uh, because you may not know everything. Um, so you've got, you know, you've got the 20 grand deals. You've got a little, like Bo Nix, the quarterback for Auburn, signed with Milo's T. You know, stuff like that. Um, a lot of times those guys on TV were right. They're, they may sign for 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand, um, which again is to, I got nothing before. So 20 grand is spectacular. Um, you know, I was going home hungry after practice and now I have 20 grand on a bank account. I can go fill my fridge up. I can go to Walmart with my debit card and get whatever I want. You know, um, I can put gas in my car and I have to wait until mom gets paid, you know, at a certain time uh, to give me $20 and I have to be real smart how I spend my gas. You know, I can take my girlfriend out or take my boyfriend out or whatever uh, because I have money in my pocket now. I'm not just a broke college student. Now, there's, you know, the jokes are being made. Oh, what about the kids that aren't getting anything? What about them? I mean, I mean, it's, it's a free market economy. Uh, the same way the Spencer Rattler or the Derek Stingley's or the Bo Nicks or the Derek Kings um, had the opportunity to go out and get sponsorships and go out and get marketing deals and stuff like that. The same way that the kids who aren't so highly publicized have that same ability. Because um, even an LSU athlete having his face with an LSU shirt on is just as powerful you know, maybe just as powerful because of brand recognition of loyalty than anything else. All right, so that is huge. Um, Derek King, who I mentioned earlier, is partnered with another player and they have their own name, image, and likeness company. So they are trying to represent other players and getting their name, image, and likeness out there, not just representing their own individual name, image, and likeness, which is huge. Of course, when this passed, the first thought was yes so glad for these kids uh the second thought was man can you imagine some of the money some players missed out on um and i was just thinking of names i was thinking man reggie bush usc there's reports out where he could have made three to four million dollars a year at usc you're thinking tim tebow at florida i mean tim tebow came back to the nfl after being away for like nine years Switch position to tight end on the one of the worst brands in the NFL, in the Jacksonville Jaguars, and his jersey was the top-selling jersey for two or three or four days on Fanatics in the entire NFL. So let's think about the kind of impact he would have had in his heyday at, at Florida. You think about Joe Burrow a couple years ago with LSU. You think about uh, Zion Williamson, his year at Duke. Maybe if he's making eight, nine million dollars off the floor, he goes back to Duke. 
for his sophomore year because remember he said he wanted to go anyway and Coach K kind of pushed him into the NBA saying this is your best chance. I mean, it's not, it's not going to get any better than the number one pick. Uh, think about LeBron James. If he maybe he decides to go to college, um, if he can make if he can sign a ten million dollar Nike deal, <laughs> so you know he said he's gonna go to University of Akron or Ohio State anyway. They were they're both Nike schools. LeBron James has a ten million dollar contract to wear his own personal Nikes, um, so he gets to go to college, play college basketball, and get his mother Gloria out of an impoverished situation. Uh, Vince Young at Texas. You know, just think about some of these Matt Liner at USC. Think about some of these great players. The Boss, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker. Uh, what some of these guys could have done financially that were absolutely amazing. Johnny Menzel, my Lord. Well, absolutely amazing athletes. Cam Newton. That were not able to properly benefit from their ability on the collegiate football field. You look at Cam Newton. Uh, the reason some say he didn't end up at Mississippi State was because his dad took money and to avoid... Uh, situation like that, he goes to Auburn. Johnny Manziel, what did he get suspended for? For a half against Rice. He got suspended because he was signing autographs for money and was caught. Reggie Bush lost his Heisman because he took a uh, Hummer as a gift, basically. Um, which, in today's world, would have been just passed on as a sponsorship. I'd give you 100k in cash and this Hummer. You know? And so, of course, that sparked the movement of give Reggie his Heisman back. Uh, Reggie Bush put out a statement that he has spoken out to the Heisman House, that he has spoken out to the um, NCAA, like I said, NCAA and the Heisman House, and he has not heard back from either one. Pretty much the Heisman House told him that can't help you, and the NCAA has not uh, really responded to him. But the social media movement is on to give Reggie Bush back his Heisman that he earned on the field. He did not. He took performance enhancing drugs. He didn't. He wasn't busted for anything illegal. He just took a Hummer. Um, it didn't affect his play on the field and what he accomplished in that season. But ultimately, he forfeited his Heisman to avoid get having it taken from him, and he's looking to get his Heisman back. But it's absolutely huge news in NCAA. Uh, I expect to be talking about further NCAA news within the coming weeks in terms of expanding the college football playoff from 4 to 12. Uh, we're going to break down when when that happens. I'm sure we're going to break down uh, if we would have had it last year, how would it have looked, uh, who would have won the games, uh, break down the rules, Have make sure you guys are incredibly informed for if and when that occurs. But up next, we're going to jump into the WNBA and talk about what's going down with the W. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about the WNBA and what's going on with the W, just like we did in baseball. Let's jump right into those standings. With the first seed so far, we have the Aces, followed by the Seattle Storm, then the Connecticut Sun, then the Chicago Sky, then the Minnesota Lynx, then the Dallas Wings, then the New York Liberty, and then the Phoenix Mercury. Now, of course, the Mercury I had in my championship bubble. I had them as one of the four teams. I said, man, it's going to be four teams. It's going to dominate. It's going to be the Aces. It's going to be the Storm. It's going to be the Sky. And it's going to be the Mercury. You know, everybody else is kind of playing for paychecks, rent, the, the love of the game. I mean, you know, I said, if you weren't one of those four teams, you really didn't have a chance. Again, Sky, the Mercury, these uh, Aces, and the Storm. Because I was saying, man, the last time we'd seen the Storm, two times we've seen the Storm healthy, they are champions. And then the only team to break that up, which it took an injury. Uh, Brianna Stewart and Sue Berger was down. The Mystics won. And then the last time we seen them healthy, they'd won. So I gave the Mystics an outside chance. But I was just looking at talent for talent. It was those four teams and everybody else to me. Uh, the Mystics have a shot when Lena Deladon comes back from her injury. But up until then, I mean, Tina Charles, again, could break the record for the most points in a single season per game. But she has no help. So when Deladon comes back, they'll be a very, very formidable one-two punch and will have a shot to get in the playoffs and cause somebody absolute havoc. However, currently, they don't have that luxury, and so the Mystics are struggling. Uh, like I said, the Mercury the Mercury had to deal with a Diana Taurasi injury. That's why they are so low. The New York Liberty, led by Sabrina Inescu, are currently in the playoffs. That's huge. Dallas, led by Charlie Collier and Enrique Ogumbawale, 
are also in the playoffs. That is absolutely huge for that team's development, considering they are young. Arike is in her second or third season. Charlie Collier is a rookie. Uh, they have they had the first three picks in the draft. They're all contributing. They're all rookies. And so that is huge. The Chicago Sky managing to still be the fourth seed, even though Candace Parker was out, shows you the kind of talent they have on that roster. The Connecticut Sun, uh, they didn't. They're the three seed. They're breaking up the. They're breaking up the party at the top, and they did not have really a big off season name wise. You you know you didn't have the Candace Parker moving to them. You didn't have the Chelsea Gray finishing off an amazing starting uh, lineup with the Aces. You didn't have year two of Brittany Granada and Tarasi and Skylar Diggins Smith to look forward to. Uh, and so, but the Connecticut Sun are currently the three seed, playing excellent basketball. Uh, the the Minnesota Lynx, you can never count them out as long as Carol uh, Cheryl Reeves is the coach. And so they still have Sylvia Fowles, they have Nafessa Collier, uh, two Olympians, and so they are an absolutely uh, pretty good squad as well. So I mean the and then of course the Aces are at the top. Um, Liz Cambage, the Asia Wilson, the Chelsea Grays of the world, the Kelsey Plums of the world, they're at the top. Uh, absolutely stacked team who are not even as good as they should be because Angel McCautry hurt, tore her ACL in the preseason. They're only preseason game versus the Sparks. And then the Seattle Storm, the two time reigning when healthy champions. Uh, the last two times we've seen them healthy. In 2020 and 2018, the Storm were, were holding the WNBA trophy above their heads. Um, and so the, I expect them to put up a fight for it this year as well. Sue Bird, Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart, uh, that crew is absolutely loaded and ready to roll. But the All-Star rosters were announced. Um, and an All-Star game for the WNBA is actually a novice idea. That I know it's impossible for the NBA, but it'd be kind of cool. They are putting Team USA versus the All-Stars. So, I, uh, the All-Stars, you know, of course, there's some great American players. Asia Wilson, for instance. Uh, Nefessa Collier, who probably would have been All-Stars as well. Uh, but, Sue Bird. But, because they're on Team USA, they're not on the quote-unquote All-Star team. And so, they're putting the All-Stars versus the Olympians. Um, and so... The all-star roster is Dawana Bonner, Liz Cambage, Kalea Cooper, Derrica Hamby, Brianna Jones, Jonquil Jones, Bentija Laney, Arika Ngumbawale, Candace Parker, Satu Sabale, Courtney Vandersloot, and Courtney Williams. And so these 12 ladies will face off against Team USA in the all-star game. It's a good tune-up for the, the USA women because it's probably the best team they're going to play. Uh, they're talent-wise. Now, they won't be the best team because the international team will have played together a few games at least same way as the USA team. But talent-wise, this is probably... We could probably send this 12 over and win the gold. Um, so, that just tells you the talent that they have. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have Liz Cambage, obviously, uh, as the big name. I don't think Satu Sable would be eligible either. Uh, John Quill Jones was also she's from the Bahamas, so she wouldn't be eligible either. But you, you get you get my point. If we could just put these twelve in USA jerseys, they'd probably go over there and win the gold medal as well. That tells you the level of talent we have on the hardwood for the women's side. But absolutely, I expect it to be a great game between both sides. I mean, you don't get that level of talent without um, something amazing coming from it, and so it's going to be a great game. Uh, hopefully you can get um, a close contest so that way Team USA can get their first and probably last real test and the All-Star game stays competitive because the level of play in the W this year has been absolutely spectacular. Uh, Buzzer beaters, you've got what Chelsea Gray. I mean, that game between the Aces and the Storm was spectacular. I, I, I want a five-game WNBA Finals from it. It was amazing to watch. Those ladies compete at the height of their sport. And so please give me more of that. I am incredibly interested in that. But up next, we are going to have our best for last, which is going to be a discussion rather on on Hard Knocks. We're going to get an NFL topic in on Hard Knocks from HBO announcing who they will be all of a couple hours ago following which will be the dallas cowboys
welcome back into the show and now we're gonna talk about the dallas cowboys yes we are because they will be on hbo's hard knocks um for those of you who don't know hard knocks is a training camp show it's a five episode maybe six depending on the situation but it is a show it is a full in-depth watch of training camp so it is meetings it shows meeting highlights it shows practice film it has player interviews it usually begins to focus on a couple of players as it goes on um usually one of the two stars so for instance the rams had it last year so it was all about COVID. you know it was both actually the rams and the Chargers had it last year so it follows the coaches um or the coach uh but the coaches and Griffiths the last year it picks a rookie or two um to really follow their journey uh, to see, you know, their journey, trying to make it onto a training camp roster, how they interact with the stars. It shows a, bunch, a couple of stars and their work. But it is about, it is a very close in-depth. Uh, Amazon has something similar called All or Nothing, I believe. But, um, yeah, Hard Knocks, it shows a very in-depth, uncensored, you know, I mean, it's obviously edited and stuff like that. But it is a very in-depth, uncensored show into what an NFL training camp is like. Uh, between the working out, you know, the COVID testing like crazy last year was was wild to see how many NFL players who literally throw their bodies into other people for a living did not want to get the swab up their nose. It was quite hilarious, actually. Um, you get stuff like that. You get, you know, new 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 faces in new places. Uh, for instance, the Dallas Cowboys will have the Dak Prescott recovery. I'm sure Zeke would be a big topic. Dak Prescott, you know, returning. Mike McCarthy, year two. New defensive coordinators. Um, and then Hard Knocks always picks a team not in the playoffs. Usually five, six wins or less. Uh, preferably with a high draft pick that they can really focus on. You know, something against storyline. Uh, Cleveland got it when Baker Mayfield was there. Both LA teams got it because they were both moving into the new stadium. So that was a big discussion. And they could do two teams at once. Uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are getting it. Dak Prescott return and the Cowboys brand. Jerry Jones is going to be all through this thing, I'm sure, especially because he does the hiring, firing, the signing, cutting, which is always a big thing in Hard Knocks, uh, seeing the conversations of a release or a signing or telling somebody, hey, you made the roster or telling somebody, you you know, you're going home, that sort of thing. Um, I expect it to be one of, if not the highest rated Hard Knocks ever. Hard Knocks originally began with the Ravens. I think fresh off a of Super Bowl. I think it was either the 01 Ravens got it or the 02 Ravens got it. But Shannon Sharp was on Hard Knocks. Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, the rest of the crew. Uh, not Ed Reed, but uh, Shannon Sharp, uh, Ray Lewis, Brian Billick um, were on Hard Knocks. And when Shannon Sharp's national profile really took off how hilarious uh, those guys were. And then a few years ago, they made the rule where they have to follow a bad team. Because otherwise, you go to the same team. You go to Dallas. You would go to the Patriots. You know, you try to go to Patriots, stuff like that, because of how they rotate in and out. Um, and what's cool about Hard Knocks is the team can't say no. So <laughs> uh, they, there's a rule in place with the league and a deal with the league with HBO that if HBO picks you, you can't say no. And so what the good teams did was if you make the playoffs, we're ineligible because hard knocks are pain in the butt. There's cameras literally up your butt all day long. And so good teams, like, they don't want to deal with it. And so if you uh, are made the playoffs, HBO can't pick you. But considering that's 14 teams out of 32, HBO still has 18 other options that they can choose from. And so this year they picked the Cowboys, and the Cowboys, again, can't say no. Not like Jerry Jones has ever said no to anything. Um, they put out a video announcing the Hard Knocks deal the Cowboys did, uh, saying that hate them or love them, it's hard not to watch. It's hard to look away. And then saying they're going to be on Hard Knocks. So Jerry Jones is going to have a field day with this. I'm sure he's going to be one of, if not the star of the Dallas Cowboys Hard Knocks series. As well as Jerry Jones should, because he's one of, if not the star of the Dallas Cowboys. So I expect no different on Hard Knocks. But that is all we have for today. Uh, wrapping it up here. An absolutely spectacular show. Loaded show. We actually got six sports in. You know, we, we haven't done a real, real big multi-sports show in a while. We've been getting more focus and focus the further basketball season progressed. Again, we lost the NFL news for the most part. And so uh, NBA, MLB, WNBA, college sports, Olympic sports, and 
uh, the NFL we're all discussed today. Absolutely loaded show. Remember to rate, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iTunes. And don't forget to follow the Twitter page at JTimesports on Instagram and on Twitter for breaking news and updates and things of that nature. We were all over the Shakira Richardson stuff. Uh, Mark Rick, unfortunately, prayers for him being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. We were on top of that. The hirings and firings, the trades, the rumors, we're on top of that as well. And so uh, make sure you follow those two pages, especially the Twitter, in order to really get a grasp of how this show works and the breaking news that comes out throughout the sports world every hour on the hour. Um, But you guys have a great rest of your day and enjoy your July 4th. Uh, Eat some hot dogs. Have a good time. Stay safe. And this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.